0: Hello beautiful sisters, this is episode number 68 of the podcast When Marriage Hurts. It's your girl, Ola Davis, and today's episode, we're going to be exploring tactics of abuse, um, specifically coercive control. Um, If you are in the U.S., I know this weekend that I'm recording this, or that you will be, ah, what am I talking about, anyway, I'm recording this during the Veterans Day, long weekend, I think that's what's called in the US, and here in Canada, we call it Remembrance Day, um, I know with, with holidays, you know, when, when you're in a painful marriage, Holidays aren't always fun, but I, I do hope that yours hasn't been especially terrible. Um, I had a quiet holiday just with my kids and we just, we didn't really go out. We just stayed in and, and had fun. So, yeah. Um, episode number 68. We're talking about coercive control. What is coercive control? It's any behavior that scares you, hurts you, intimidates you, um, makes you feel like you're not independent. Behavior that isolates you Arrasses you, I think I already mentioned intimidates you, um, monitors you, monitors your day-to-day activities, yeah, those are the things that someone else does to you when you're being coercively controlled, and I got this definition from a website called nsw.gov.au, I think it's, um, don't quote me, but I think it's one of the government websites for the government of Australia. So, um, you can check that on the internet yourself, or you can just Google coercive control and see the top results and see a definition. Um, but that's that's essentially what coercive control is. and why am I talking about coercive control on today's episode? Because coercive control is a covert way in which we get abused in marriage, but we don't know it's abuse. Because it doesn't come off as abuse. It comes off as, oh, my husband just cares so much about me. My husband cares so much about my safety. In other words, it's an eating form of abuse that disguises as love and, and care. And I'm telling you, that's the deadliest kind. When you're married to someone that pulls a knife on you, Or, you know, bashes your head against the wall every now and then. You know that you're living with someone really dangerous, right? But when you're married to someone who does none of those overtly dangerous things. But they just uh, do other stuff by controlling you it doesn't exactly seem dangerous even though it is right it it doesn't it doesn't seem like this person is doing anything malicious you know it doesn't look like they have any malicious intent towards you even though they do so that's why coercive control is 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 sneaky like that? It's a hidden form of abuse. So when, um, I mean, it could come in different forms. You know, it could come in the form of humiliation, right? When you're partner or your spouse have they have this um pattern of humiliating you in public or at least in the presence of other people it could be in the presence of your children the presence of your friends family it doesn't matter but they find this little ways where they humiliate you it could be humiliation could be in the form of maybe um i'm trying to think of a good example now maybe you get a promotion at work or something and or you achieve a goal maybe even losing weight it doesn't matter what it is right or you just got a new job you just be like oh good for you congratulations that's a good thing right and then they follow that up with you know they probably just gave you the job because you're a woman or like they just say something that takes away the feeling of accomplishment that you might have felt they demean you they i'm real guys i'm really struggling to come up with real life examples right now <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it means I'm healing from the abuse, right? But they just, they find ways to put you down, to humiliate you in front of other people. And what that does to your psyche is that when you're, you know, the next time or subsequent times that you're in public with them, you try to shrink you try to you try to like disappear from the room without actually leaving you try not to get noticed because subconsciously you're trying to avoid your spouse humiliating you in front of people so you you you've over time you've learned that the your best chance of getting that done is to not talk talk as little as possible to participate as little as possible and then you can just hope that he doesn't like pick on you in front of people which is kind of sad um sometimes they just they they would do it like in front of the children and it doesn't matter how young or how old the children are so they will say things like why can't you, all you had to do was do the laundry and you can't even get that right. And they can say it in a, they don't have to say it in a, in a rough, you know, threatening voice or anything. They could just say it so quietly and calmly. What they know is still going to poke you, it's still going to be hurtful. I mean, having your spouse tell you that, You're a bad mother or you're a useless mother in front of your children. I mean, even if they said it to you in private, it hurts. But to have them say it to you in front of children, it hits a different way, right? So sometimes it's in the form of harassment, sometimes it's the way they. Kind of take control. Or try to control your daily activities. There's also isolation. So let's talk about isolation. Right. Um, Now there are some abusers. That would be like. Okay. No you can't go see your mom. You can't go see your dad. It's not a good time to. Go visit your friends. Like they would be direct. In that manner. But then. I think the really intelligent ones do it in such a way that it doesn't come across as you've been isolated. Like they do it in a tricky fashion that you don't even realize you are being isolated. You just, whatever they say to you just sounds logical. Even if someone comes around and tells you, Oh, your husband's trying to isolate you, you look at them like they are crazy because it just doesn't look that way to you. Okay. So an example could be, um, when they, maybe you have, uh, maybe you have a, like a disagreement or something with your friend, right? If you are the kind of person that has like a close circle of friends and you say something like, oh, I couldn't even believe Amanda would do that. And maybe you're hot and naturally you share this with your spouse, right? And then they say something like, I don't even know why you're friends with her. Like, you can do much better than. Like, they just say something to put that friend down. And it just. And you are thinking, oh, my husband's trying to stand up for me or whatever. But they have a pattern of doing this that over time you start to think. Amanda isn't even a good person. I shouldn't be friends with her. <laughs> even though you've been friends with Amanda for the last 20, 25 years, right? And it was just fine until your spouse started saying something about them. So it's it's always so subtle, right? And the reason they do this is because they are jealous of your relationship with your friend. But they're not going to come out and say, I'm so jealous about the kind of close relationship you have with this person. No, they're not going to say that. Rather, they will just sow the seeds into your heart that will start to make you feel like that you shouldn't spend time with that person. Like that person doesn't love you or whatever. And that's how they gradually isolate you from your support system. So your support system, this would comprise of different people, right? It could be, um, friends, like long-term friends. It could be friends you've only known for a few years, your family members, um, neighbors, like just people that you like and trust, they will gradually isolate you from those people by putting those people down. Sometimes they isolate just by keeping you busy. That is, I think that's one of the tactics of eating abuse that people don't talk enough about. Like when your spouse always act like they are some neat freak, right? Like some abusers, they will act like, oh, they just want a clean house. They just, they're a clean freak. They just want a clean house. And they would make you feel like you're responsible for always keeping the house clean. If they get home and anything is out of order, you know, with my ex-husband, the house was always clean. But he still always found something wrong. Even when the house was clean, he would complain about the children's, um, the baby's toy being scattered around in the living room. I'm telling you, he always had something. The bathroom was never clean enough. And this is someone who would never lift a finger to clean or even pick up the children's toys. So... Sometimes women don't pick up on this as a hidden form of abuse because they think, oh, my husband is just a neat freak. He just can't stand to be in an environment that's not tidy. No, my dear, your husband is not a neat freak. He's an abuser. And the way, I know some of you right now, you know, you're the cognitive dissonance is going on in your brain right now, and you're thinking, "No, Allah, my husband is not an abuser, he's just a neat freak. I'll tell you something ah uh, about neat freaks, and then you can decide if your husband is really a neat freak. Neat freaks do not just stand around and complain about the you know their environment being dirty. You know what neat freaks do? they clean they clean obsessively, that's what need freaks do, need freaks are not people that stand around and are like, oh, the home is so dirty, it's always so messy here, I don't like to, no, they do not waste time complaining, they clean, and then after that, they clean some more, so unless you can tell me that your husband is, is someone who cleans obsessively, someone who Cleans the whole bathroom even after you just finished cleaning it. Unless your husband is like that, then he's not a neat freak. He's just someone who likes to keep you busy cleaning forever. So (laughs) there's a clear difference between being a neat freak and someone pretending to be a neat freak just to keep their house, their to as a, as a hidden form of abuse, just to abuse your spouse. And you might think, why would they do that, really? See, abusers are really sick people. They are really sick in their minds. So their motives are never going to sound reasonable or logical to you. But the thing is, they derive a sense of pleasure, knowing that they have control over you knowing that you are like a lego piece to them you're like a you're like a robot that they can play with and tell you to get up and go clean and they wouldn't use the words get up and go clean they're just going to complain about how dirty the house is so much that you're going to feel compelled to get up and do something about it And this also ties into isolation because when you spend all your free time trying to clean, trying to cook, trying to make sure nothing is out of place, you're not going to have time to hang out with friends. No, you're not. You're not going to have time to hang out with your family. If you're, you know, someone who's pretty close to your family and if they live close by or whatever, even if they don't live close by, that's less time for you to hang out with them over the phone. Right? So they begin to isolate you slowly from your support system so that when, when they begin to unleash the abuse in a higher measure you are less likely to stand up against it or to protect yourself because you don't have that strong support system or any form of support system like you used to anymore so that's the whole point of them slowly isolating you from your support system because maybe you're the kind of person that if you're going through a hard time you would reach out to that your close friend Amanda and talk about it but now you've been so withdrawn and isolated and probably haven't even heard from Amanda I keep—I don't know why I keep using the name Amanda <laughs> but like you've been so isolated you haven't even heard from a, Amanda in months right because of at this point you can't even remember why you were upset with her you just know that you feel so distant from her and you can't she just seems beyond your reach you can't even reach out to her and talk about what you're going through because the relationship just hasn't been nurtured because your spouse has isolated you over time You see how this is all tying together? And how because of how insidious and how covert it is, we don't pick up on these things. We just find ourselves in this place where we feel miserable and we have nobody to talk to. And the whole time the abuser knows what he's doing, right? Right? You know, another form of coercive control is when they just scare you and they do this indirectly. So, if you're the kind of person that keeps pets, maybe they would be horrible to the pet or something. Maybe the abuser wants you to do something and you're offering some kind of resistance. They can threaten to hurt the dog or the cat because they know that's going to affect you, you know, different. Or, now, I'm not a pet person, so I didn't experience this personally. But what I did experience with my ex-husband was just dangerous driving. That's another way that they scare you. Where you would just drive recklessly. And I would like clutch onto something in the car because I I would be so scared. And you know I would talk to him later about this, and it would he would just dismiss it like I'm being ridiculous, and it's all in my head. And I know I know this guy is not like a reckless driver. He just has moments where he deliberately drives recklessly, and I couldn't understand back then but now that i'm I, I i'm learning about all this stuff it makes complete sense to me so if they feel like they're losing control of you and they can't mess with your head as much as they used to they would use some scare tactics it could be driving recklessly it could be threatening the pet it could be that they throw things around in the house like they don't aim directly at you but they do it in such a way that it's enough to get you rattled right and to just make you keep quiet because you feel so unsafe you know they're not gonna hit you you know they're not gonna you know hit you with a pan about the head or bash you into the wall but then they still do stuff like throwing pans into the wall that makes your nervous system respond or feel the same way it probably would if they had hit you with a pan in the head anyway. But then they also know that it's unlikely that you go and tell someone Oh, Tom punched a hole in the wall. Like, people are not going to take you as seriously as they would if you said, Oh, Tom punched me in the face, right? But then it still has the same effect on your body and your your psychological well-being. I mean, maybe it even scares you more that they punch a wall than it would do if they actually punch you in the face right so i mean we could talk about so many examples but this is the way in which they coercively control you because when he throws a pan across the room that makes you very uncomfortable and unsafe and subconsciously, you just want to do whatever he says because you don't want a second pan to be thrown across the room, right? You you want to avoid at all costs anything that could set him off where he could display that kind of behavior again. So essentially, the abuser is controlling your actions by doing this other random things that looks to a looks to a third party like it's not dangerous like they are not exactly violent because they didn't hurt you directly but then it's making you take actions or it's making you not do stuff (laughs) just because you're trying to You're doing your best not to provoke them because at this point, subconsciously, you're blaming yourself for their actions. They are the ones throwing a tantrum like a two-year-old, but you start to blame yourself and be like, well, if, if I had not done X, it wouldn't have done Y, so I should just stop doing X. Ladies, this is coercive control at work. It really is. Anyways, I hope someone learned something from that. This is where we're going to wrap it up on today's episode. Um, I know one of the most difficult things to accept, especially for us Christian women, when we're married to this kind of people, the most difficult thing to accept is that we are being abused. We want to say, oh, I'm having a tough time in my marriage. I'm having a painful marriage. Um... We wanna call it everything under the sun. The devil's attacking my marriage. We you know, we wanna use those kind of words, but abuse is like this it's like this um I'm trying to think of the word now. Like this uh what do what do they call those things that in in war war countries at war, this device that gets buried in the ground and when you step on it um oh goodness i can't think of what it's called now but you guys know what i mean right like a mine it's called a mine oh i can't think of i know it's going to come to me right after i i wrap up this (laughs) episode but you guys know what i mean like those things that they bury in the ground and you step on it and explode yeah that's what abuse is like The word abuse, that's what it is for a lot of us. We're so scared to use that word to describe what's going on in our marriage. Because it just doesn't seem that serious to us. We're like, oh no, that's extreme. We don't want to use that to describe our marriage because it's extreme. Because we don't think what we're going through is that serious. Even though it's breaking down, our physical health breaking down, our mental health. It's causing us to go on Google at all times of the day. Googling our husband's behavior. Let me tell you something. If you have to go on the internet to Google your husband's behavior, my dear, you're being abused. Because people with normal marriages don't do that. People with normal marriages have they have disagreements. They have conflict. But it's never to the point where they're Googling their spouse's behavior. So if you find yourself asking Google about your husband's behavior, only most likely you're being abused and you don't even know it. So I know it's a touchy subject, but the more we learn about these things, it becomes more visible to us. Now that you've listened to this episode, if your husband comes and starts saying things, you're going to recognize it, you're gonna be like oh that's that's the isolation they're talking about oh that's the that's the scary tactics they're talking about oh that's the like you know, oh, that's what they mean by humiliation like you will begin to be able to recognize these tactics just because you've learned about them and of course, if you were to confront your spouse about it, they would most likely deny it, deny that it ever happened. And then they would either turn into the victim and accuse you of accusing them of something. Or they would outright make you feel like you're crazy and you've lost it. And your mental faculties are not where they're supposed to be. And just like divert the attention back to you. But now that I've mentioned that, when that actually happens, you can recognize it for what it is, right? So, I hope this episode helps someone out. If it does, please let me know. We're on Instagram at WenMariShorts. And then the private Facebook group where you know, it's private, everybody there, they're going through something similar as you, they're going through a painful marriage, and sometimes they just come there to vent, sometimes they come to ask questions, uh, it's just a great place to be, because then you know that you're not alone in this, you know that there are other people in this world going through similar things that you are going through, right, and you feel understood, Um, so the private frizz group, group is at word marriage hurts um so reach out there if you just want to reach out on Instagram you can send me a direct message and if you have been listening if you've listened to at least two episodes and you've never left a review on Apple Podcasts please 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 do that um when you leave reviews And you don't have to give your real name for this if you don't want to. You can use a nickname. But when you leave reviews, it means that the podcast gains visibility. And more people looking for a podcast like this one can easily find it. So I would really appreciate it if you could do that. Um, Ladies, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast i thank those of you that actually post on the private facebook group um i love you all and i want you to know that i'm i'm praying for you i'm praying for god's guidance for you in jesus name and i hope you have a wonderful week ahead god bless